0: Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Pop Culture Rx is where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these newsworthy conditions. This is Pop Culture Rx. Bone marrow transplants have been a miracle to many, being successfully used for years to treat conditions affecting blood cells, including leukemias, lymphomas, solid tumor cancers, anemia, and immunodeficiency disorders. Today, I'm here with Dr. Christine Camacho-Baidoum, a pediatric hematologist-oncologist with Hackensack Meridian Children's Health, and a part of our bone marrow transplant team here at Hackensack University Medical Center to talk us through bone marrow transplants, what they entail and when we might need one. So thanks so much for being here today, doc. Thank you so much for having me. So before we talk about, you know, bone marrow transplants Mm -hmm. and what that all entails, I wanted to talk to you and get to know you a little bit and see what brought you to be
1: a pediatric hematologist Mm -hmm. oncologist. What made you choose that specialty? Great. So when um, I became interested in pediatric hemonc during my residency, um, I did my residency at the Children's Hospital at Montefiore up in the uh, Bronx. Um, And we had a pretty uh, robust um, uh, hemonc floor, and in particular, bone marrow transplants. Um, And I just really fell in love with it. I thought just intellectually, it was really interesting in terms of the disease processes and the pathophysiology behind it. And then um, with these kind of conditions, you just get to know the families and patients really well because you're seeing them for such long periods of time. So I thought just the combination of all of that just really appealed to me. Um, And the more I learned about it, the more I was intrigued and wanted to pursue bone marrow transplant in particular. Very cool. Any interesting cases that stand out to you that you can share? Um, I would think earlier on in my career during residency, um, you know, when I came in kind of naive and not knowing that much about bone marrow transplant, we had a pretty uh, large uh, sickle cell population um, in in Bronx in the Bronx. And um, seeing those patients receive bone marrow transplants um, and how that could be a really curative treatment for them and really change their quality of life, that was really enlightening to me as someone who, you know, hadn't seen that previously. Um, so I always kind of carry those stories uh, with me and really motivates me to continue to do this work.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Mm -hmm. because it must be pretty, it must be very hard for you in terms of pediatric hematology, oncology, Mm -hmm. because that's a very sad, you know, (laughs) news delivering every day being around small Mm -hmm. children who have cancer. It must take, you know, a toll on you for after a
1: while? No, I definitely can. And you obviously, you know, see people go through some of the hardest, you know, moments in their life, either, you know, getting that diagnosis um, for families and and patients, as well as, you know, if in unfortunate circumstances when it comes back or where um, their options may be limited. Um, But at the flip side of it, you still get to see that although they're going through this, you're still working with children. And at the heart, they're still just kids and they want to play and they want to paint and run around as much as they can. So that kind of helps you get through those, those Hard parts.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about bone marrow transplants, but let's step yeah. back and go like really into. Sure. What is bone marrow? Sure
1: um, so bone marrow is can be thought of as the kind of the spongy center of all of our bones and um, that center uh, is is involved in producing all of our blood cells. so it produces our red blood cells with help which help carry um, oxygen in our, in our body um, our white blood cells which fight different types of infections and there can be many different types of those and then also our platelets that are involved in um, clotting clotting blood so it's kind of like the factory, of, of our of our blood and kind of helps produce all those cells.
0: So when you talk about someone who might need a bone marrow transplant, mm-hmm. are you basically taking out all those different cells and then putting them into
1: someone else's body? Yeah, so, you know, in the basic terms, um, what will happen if if a patient has a certain type of condition, so as you mentioned, um, we can use bone marrow as treatments for certain types of cancers, um, as well as certain types of other blood disorders, such as sickle cell disease or thalassemia or immunodeficiencies. um, We will give give them different types of chemotherapy to prepare their body to accept um, a donor stem cells, and first, we give the chemotherapy so that we can, one— Um, lower their immune system so they can accept someone else's cells. Um, So we can also make room in their own bone marrow, so getting rid of their bone marrow cells. Um, And then in the cases of cancer, we're giving them that chemotherapy to also help fight if there's any cancer cells still there. Um, And then what we'll do is that we'll find a donor um, that matches them, we collect their stem cells and we infuse that into the patient. And what we hope is that those stem cells, it takes some time, uh, a few weeks, but they will eventually um, travel through the body body, go into the bone marrow, um, kind of take up shop and then start producing the new cells. So how do you know that they, you know, set up camp took, and are like taking
0: up shop and starting to produce new cells just by an increase in Mm -hmm. good
1: cells? or Yeah, so what we do once, as I said beforehand, we give them that chemotherapy, and we'll see that their blood count, so their red blood cells, their white blood cells, and their platelets on our blood test that we check um, pretty much every day, will go down to very, very low levels. Um, We expect it to take some time. Sometimes it can be about two weeks or so, depending on the types of transplant, it could be almost three to four weeks um, for those counts to remain low, and then once we start to see them on the blood test slowly start to increase back to normal levels, then we have a good indication. Um that that's working. We'll also take another um, blood sample, usually about a month into it, to check to see um, whether how much of those patients' um, uh, bone, bone marrow cells are of the donor versus themselves. And we hope that it should be about 100% of the donor.
0: So even though your donor and your like person who, I guess, is sick, mm-hmm. even though they match, you can still see that the donor has a different cell than the, than the recipient.
1: Yes, yes. Um, we do a bunch of tests beforehand, um, and our labs uh, that we send it to are able to compare, and they're able to compa- um, are able to tell then which cells come from the donor and which cells come from the host. As I said, for most, um, like for ones for cancer, we want that to be pretty much 100%, and it will be for most um, cell lines. There may still be like a few cells here and there of the patient, but not- nothing too much. For some of the other um, blood disorders, they- it actually doesn't have to be all the way 100% in order for them to be cured of it but obviously the closer we get the better. Yes Mm -hmm. and are there any risk factors to someone getting someone else's bone marrow? So the bone marrow transplant does, you know, come with um, uh, does come with quite quite a bit of risk um, associated with it. So there, it's can kind of be divided into two parts. Is how I like to think about it. Um, first, in order to prepare the body, because we have to give the chemotherapies. There's the risks associated with different types of chemotherapy. Um, so some of the common ones that you expect if you've heard, of, you know, anyone receiving chemotherapy. So things like nausea, vomiting, loss of appetite. Um, they can have loss of hair. Of um, you know. You know, sores in their mouth. Because we are giving it to them to decrease their counts, their counts will be very low. So they're at risk for infections or bleeding um, during that time. Then there's other types of side effects associated with the chemotherapies, a little bit more long-term ones that can affect different organs. So we watch closely your liver, your kidney, your lungs. Um, and then there can be effects such as like infertility, And the rare but serious effects of um, certain chemotherapies can be associated with causing different types of cancer later in life. You know, rare, but obviously, you know, something to to consider. Um, Then in the whole process of bone marrow transplant, there's certain related uh, risks that comes along with that process. Um, We watch patients for infections. Um, They're at risk for things that we cause, um, that we call graft versus host disease. And that's in where the donor cells um, that we give the patient recognize that they're in like a different environment and they start to attack the patient's own body and that can cause rashes or um, certain type of um, uh, digestive issues and and things like that. Um, We can also have long-term effects from organ systems that we watch closely and then obviously because of all of the risk with infections and your counts being low there's always a small risk of death um, to consider.
0: Wow that's a lot of different (laughs) risks there. Yes. So what happens if the bone marrow transplant doesn't work? Do you just go out and find another donor or do you try
1: something new? Yeah, so it depends. Um, sometimes it may depend on the, certain, the condition as well as the type of chemotherapy that was used. Um, sometimes we give very, very high doses of chemotherapy that if a transplant doesn't work, meaning that the donor cells don't go into the bone marrow and start producing new cells, there's, uh, the patient's cells will never come back. In situations like that, they will need a second transplant in order, you know, to survive and produce um, their normal their normal cells. So you'll have to go. Sometimes, in some situations, you could use the same donor again. Other times, you would have to go through, find another donor, give some different types of chemotherapy, and prepare them again. So it could be, um, you know, a, a, a long, and difficult process. In that, but luckily, that doesn't occur as often. Um, but you know, it is a risk that 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 could happen.
0: Yeah, no, makes sense. Mm-hmm. So can anyone donate bone marrow or is it specific people? Because you you've mentioned
1: matching and things like that. Mm-hmm. How do we find out if we're a match? Yeah, so so great question. Um, so a lot of times if we have a patient come in with a certain condition, let's say they have a certain type of cancer that we know, you know, upfront they have to receive treatment for and they're at high risk and they're going to need a bone marrow transplant often the teams will start by what we call typing the family. We look in the family first. And what that means is that they'll do, um, if people have ever seen it, it's like a little cotton swab in the side of your mouth. um, And they send that to a lab and they look at certain markers on your cells. And they compare what the patient has and what let's say the family members has and see if any of those match. If there's a match there and that's always the best um, uh, donor for us um, if a patient has like a match sibling for example um, we can use that sibling so long as that sibling is willing to donate and healthy and you know doesn't have any other lining conditions that would prevent them um, however if you don't have a sibling or don't have a match in your family um, we're able to look at other donors so um, there is the national um, uh, uh, national marrow donor registry um, where You know strangers all over the world can sign up to be um, donors and they give their samples just like uh, we talked about the little swab Um, and then it goes into a database and we have um, members of our team that look into that and see if anyone matches and they'll reach out to a donor and let them know that they have a match and would they be willing to donate? Um, so we get a lot of our donors that way, which is amazing, um, You know that people are willing to, to donate. And then if, for example, if you went through that and could not find a donor, um, there's also the option of looking at um, donated umbilical cord uh, mm-hmm. blood can be used as well.
0: So what does recovery look like? Because, how, well, let's take a step back. How do you get the bone
1: marrow out of someone mm-hmm. in order to put yes. it in someone else? <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so there's two different ways that we can do it. Um, and again, it depends on what kind of condition you have and what's the best source. Um, so the one way is we can collect it peripherally from a pa- from a donor, um, which means that they just kind of get like a big IV in their arm. They get hooked up to a machine um, that kind of cycles their bloods and pulls out the stem cells that we need and puts back everything um, else to them. Um, sometimes that can take a day or two for a donor to collect. Um, and then the second way is that um, a donor can give... Um, what we call stem cells directly from their bone marrow. Um, so they will undergo what we call a stem cell harvest. Um, it is a procedure where you have to be, um, you know, go to the operating room and be sedated, and then there's needles placed into your um, hip bones to remove your bone marrow from from the center. Um, you know, it, it's usually just a like, you know, pretty short procedure, Um, it does come with some, you know, pain and discomfort um, afterwards. But, um, you know, most donors say within a day or two, they're, you know, back to their normal selves. And then you just inject it into the... Yeah. Recipient. yeah. So eventually, you know, it'll be checked in the lab and um, processed, but then eventually it kind of just looks sometimes like um, just like a regular blood transfusion. Often patients think it's going to be this huge <laughs> thing coming in. Yeah. It's just a, you know, it looks like a blood transfusion. The cells get infused and then it we would just kind of wait for it, as I said, to, to travel through the body, move into the bones and then start producing. So,
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. So for the donor they probably have no recovery time,
0: or need no recovery time at all.
1: No, I mean, I know for our younger kids, um, they're usually back to their normal selves within a few hours and, and running around. The adult patients, some, our donors will sometimes say, you know, a day or two, they may take some maybe Tylenol or other, you know, over-the-counter pain meds, and then they're, they're back to their normal self. So usually it shouldn't be that, that much recovery. And neither for the recipient, I guess, because they're just getting basically a, a shot. For that part, for them receiving it is not, but then it's all the- um, the, the other re- stuff. Yeah, all the other complications that can come with it. Plus, um, again, we their, blo- their um, blood cells are so low, they have to stay in the hospital and be monitored closely because they're at risk of infections and bleeding, and they may need transfusions. Um, they need to take uh, daily medications to prevent some of the side effects like graft-versus-host disease. So they can, uh, at times, be in the hospital for about four to six weeks after their transplant and s- until they're in their, you know, Um, the best condition to to um, to go home
0: yes especially with all the different diseases and illnesses Mm -hmm. and earaches and things like that around they're probably
1: super susceptible to all those things exactly um and once they do go home they continue to follow up frequently in clinic um depending on you know what what exactly is going on and what type of complications they have that could be as you know as as little as one time a week maybe twice a week um and then you know they they often um during that early uh, period, their immune system is not back to normal yet, so they have to stay clear of, you know, large crowds. Or for children going back to school for some time until their immune system is, um, you know, back back at the level to protect them. Yes. What are some things that you should consider before getting a transplant? Yeah, so, you know, um, for, I, I would say for, you know, families that have, um, you know, children, let's for say for, um, with, with certain conditions like sickle cell or other what we call non-malignant blood disorders, um, you know, just d- deciding on a transplant could be a very difficult decision. Um, you know, that something like sickle cell um, is a chronic disease. Um, you know, patients have a different, may have a lower quality of life, but at the same time, thinking of transplant, it does come with you know risk. Um, so for each family, it's really important to find out as much information as possible. Meet with a bone marrow transplant team. There's also a lot of support groups in these different, um, you know, for these different disorders that just discuss different options and just weigh the risk and benefits, um, you know, for for you. There's, as I said, there's support groups. There's patient. A lot of our patients are willing to speak to other patients to kind of tell them the process. Um, so that's one big consideration. And then two for any family undergoing it, Um, it is a big time commitment, you know, your child's going to be in the hospital for quite a few weeks, and then, um, you know, the recovery afterwards. So it's a lot of coordination, taking time off from work, um, you know, so just trying to have that support system around you to to, to help you get through that time.
0: And then I had another question that I was thinking of, does it matter what age you are? Like, do little babies get
1: bone marrow transplants just as well as, you know, Mm. 100-year-old adults? Yeah, so um, babies can get transplants. Um, For example, there's a certain type of immunodeficiency um, called SCID or severe, severe combined immune deficiency uh, disorder, um, which they can get their transplants, you know, very, very early after, after diagnosis. Um, and what we have found for certain conditions, um, particularly like for sickle cell disease, as well as others, the younger the child is undergoing the transplant, the better that they, they tend to do. Um, and for condition, like long-term, you know, chronic illnesses like that, it's better for them to go earlier before they've um, experienced some of those um, disease-related complications it'll just make for uh, hopefully a smoother process in terms of the transplant.
0: So what are some of those complications that, are they all the ones that you listed before?
1: Um, yes, and, and you know for some of the de- for some of the um, disorders, for example, if you had a def- immunodeficiency, um, you know the longer you wait, you're at risk of getting certain types of infections. So that can just put your risk of then having other complications during transplant a little bit higher. So if you're able to undergo it before you have experienced some of those infections, you know you may have a little bit of a better chance avoiding some of those complications.
0: Yeah, probably because your immune system is different. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Anything else you want to share with our listeners?
1: Well, I just you know, really appreciate this opportunity to um, you know, speak with you all about bone marrow transplant. And if anyone ever has a question or is interested in um, learning more about it, our team is here um, you know, to, to help you through the process.
0: Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank
1: you. I appreciate it. If you
0: have a topic you'd like for us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Ask For It special episodes. The material provided through this Help You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.